Our Old Testament reading this morning comes from Jeremiah 31, verses 31 through 34. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant that I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, a covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No longer shall they teach one another or say to each other, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and remember their sin no more. And then turning to the New Testament, let me read from John, and it's book number 12, uh, verses 20 through 33. Now among those who went up to worship at the festival were some Greeks. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and said to him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Then Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. Jesus answered them, The hour is come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Those who love their life lose it, and those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. Whoever serves me, the Father will honor now my soul is troubled, and what should I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it is for this reason that I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd standing there heard it and said that it was thunder. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, this voice has come for your sake, not for mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to indicate the kind of death he was to die. And this ends the reading. Well, we're going to talk a little bit about these readings today. I've um, entitled the sermon, God of the 21st Century. Um, I want to actually invoke in you a, a thought process on that. Is, is, uh, 
why even say God of the 21st century? Isn't God of the 21st century the same as the God of the 20th century or the 10th century or the whatever? the 30th century or whatever it might be. So that's something that you can kind of ponder with. But I'm going to start and close with the, uh, with the John reading. Not quite as much as, as Maury took us into it, but, um, but I want to start with this whole idea of uh, this hour that Jesus senses that, uh, that is being faced, that he is in the middle of and that he has to face. And he, he says, Father, save me from this hour. Um, so what is, what is this thing that he wants to be saved from? That he, as we go on, we find out he understands he's not going to be saved from it. He has to step up to it. He has to step into it. He's got to face it. He's got to go through it. And what is it? Very much a part of what the Lenten journey is about is we're now on the fifth Sunday of Lent and next week we'll kick off Holy Week with Palm Sunday, Jesus' entrance into Jerusalem, and then all the events of that week leading us to Easter. Um, but the Lenten journey is, is about a kind of focus in our own lives so that we're looking squarely at what it is we are facing. And we're... We may be saying, God, I don't want to look at that. I want to be saved from that. I don't want to have to walk through it. Isn't that what being saved from it? Take me away from it. Put me on the other side of this challenge without me having to face it. Without me having to walk through it. So, it begs the question that we could ask on a both personal as well as global level. What is this time that we face? What is this hour that we are in? What is this time in this moment in history in our world? Do you want to cry out as you look out at the world that you're swimming in, that we're part of? Father, save me from having to deal with this. Save me from having to go through this. And in that context, in understanding that we live in the context of this global situation, if we're not going to run away from it, what it is, is it that we need to face? And how do we walk through it? In the kind of honorable way that Jesus will do. And we will see in the days ahead. You can also look at this from a very personal journey point of view. Where are you in your life? What is this time in your life? What is this hour that you are facing? And what is it that you'd rather turn away and not face and you wish you could be saved from it? You wish you didn't have to walk through it. What is that for you in this time in your life that you don't want to really look at? As followers of Jesus, the call is going to be to follow in the way of Jesus. Sure, be honest. Save me, Father, from this hour. I don't want to have to face what it is in my life journey that I need to look at squarely and I need to walk right through. But please, give me the courage, O oh God. I may glance away for a minute, but I'm willing to turn back 
willing to face it. I'm willing to walk through it. I think both of these levels of understanding what the hour is about, what the time we're in is about, both from the personal side and the global side, are both very important and are a deep part of the Lenten journey. Now, I think we learned something from the Jeremiah reading and uh, that, that, that helps us as we consider this before we come back to John a little bit. Jeremiah, prophet, and he says, The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Now there's a lot of theological things we can do with this, but here's the first thing to understand. This is why I put the God of the 21st century into the title. We hear often about God having a covenant with his people. We hear here, we don't normally hear this language, about a new covenant. Well, hold it, was not the old covenant sufficient? Why is God changing it up? Why, why do we need a, a new covenant? It will not be like the covenant that I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. Ah, now maybe there's a clue of what's being talked about. Have you noticed in your own life that when someone is there to help you, that there's different moments in your life where you need something different? In the love relationship, you don't need the same thing. Right? Um, as somebody is growing up and developing, when they're a baby and we take care of them in our covenant responsibilities, we act it out and do it in one way. When they're five, we do it another. And when they're 20, they're not going to like it if we talk to them like they were five. It won't work. Right? And so, what we're hearing here from Jeremiah is how God is discerning of where the people of Israel are on their journey and how what they needed at one point as an expression of a covenant is not what they need at this other point as an expression along the way. And sometimes we go back and we look at the stories of the Bible and we try to just import it identically into our time. No. These are stories about a relationship this God, God's identity, the very core reality of God, the very core reality of love, does not change through the ages. God is God. But how God carries that out, covenant is the word for that, how God interacts and handles different moments with us human beings shifts according to what's needed in the evolution of our universe and the evolution of who we are as human beings in the story of your life. It shifts. And we get an example of this in the reading because he talks about how at one point the law, or as the Jewish people would call it, the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, the law needed to be written out for you 
And it was an external thing. We could take it into the courtroom and we could say, see, it says it right here. But now, as part of this new covenant, God says, I'm going to write the law in your hearts. You won't need to go out there and consult it. I'm not sure we've listened to that very well over the centuries. It's a lot easier for us to say, you know, it says it on page such and such and verse such and such. It says it right there. It's a very different thing. For the way of God, the law of God, to be written on our hearts. If it's written on our hearts, it's going to be really hard for me to reach into Maury's heart there and pull it out and say, Maury, do you see what it says? It's a little bit more complicated at that moment. So this God of the 21st century doesn't just keep acting the way this God has been acting all the time. This God is a God who understands the journey of humanity in the global sense and understands the journey of your life. Understands the journey of us as a church for more than 125 years. Understands what the journey has meant with certain key people over the time. And then we lose some, like having just lost Betty Skidmore. So this God interacts with us. You might say, often renewing and making the covenant new based on where we are on the journey. And then comes the example of Jesus from Holy Week. That we hear about really very much the core of here in John's Gospel. So, what we hear is that we must lose ourselves if we want to find ourselves. We must give up our life if we want to have our life. You know, we're learning a lot about the reality of that. It's not just this little thing of, you know, denying something about ourselves. It's not just this thing about fixing things that are broken in ourselves. It's an understanding that we're on a journey to something. And every time we journey to a deeper place or a higher place, the only way we get there is to let go of the view that we had from where we were before. So we can see from the new place where we are. It's a process of evolution, of growing up, through stages of human development. So we're not the same person we were when we were a baby, or when we were five, or when we were 20, or when we were 50, or when we were 80. We are on an evolving journey. And this journey is part of a global journey of all of humanity through, the, through history. We are not the same humanity we were a millennia ago or two millennia ago. Sure, there's common threads, and they can be told in many stories. But we're also evolving to new understandings and new possibilities. And this God of the 21st century is right there with us, probably being able to, to see and face what this hour is for us more than we even can for ourselves. We come here to church on Sunday. Hopefully, so that we can deal with all the stuff that's within us that 
blinds us from seeing what this time is about in our lives and in this world. So that we can see clearly what the hour is that we're facing. So we can see clearly what our possibilities are. How we can grow deeper. How we can contribute more. How we can continue the evolution of humanity more deeply into the full image of God's love. And there's four areas, and I think Lent is a great time to reflect a little bit on this in terms of where we are at in terms of people willing to be followers of Jesus and do what Jesus does in facing this hour and seeing clearly what is right there what the challenge is, what the opportunity is and how we're going to face it one is learning how to wake up and that means waking up to see reality as it is, to seeing that part of that reality is the presence of the Spirit, the presence of God's love, the presence of present to how everything really does work versus how we wish they worked. Waking up to all of that. Another area we commit ourselves to as followers of Jesus is learning how to grow up. To understand we do have the opportunity to not be the same person we were last year or 10 years ago or 20 years ago. That we have a lot of opportunities to go through a process of growing up beyond our little, tiny individual worldview to seeing things more clearly as God sees them and growing more uh, maturity into living that life and developing our full human potential, our understandings and our skills um, more fully and more completely. So learning how to grow up. So waking up is important and growing up is important. And as we do the process of waking up and growing up, we see a couple of other things. We see there's some things we need to clean up. There's no way, I don't care how successful your life has been, you've gotten to where you are, without some things that just got kind of clogged up. Not quite right. Now, maybe there are major things that, are, that got you stuck in your life. Maybe they're not. But every one of us has some things to clean up. Now, this is where the church over the centuries hasn't done a good job. It's, you know, gotten people feeling really guilty about every mistake they make and sinning and all of this. And actually sometimes contributed to people getting more stuck. Just feeling more bad about themselves. This is a real opportunity to not see it that way, but see it that every single one of us um, has some cleaning up work to do. And are we willing, in the facing of this hour, are we willing to engage in that cleaning up work? Are we willing to get the help we need, whether it's a, a therapist, a spiritual guide, a good friend who knows how to listen and not just, not just uh, come up with five ways to fix our problems, but knows how to really understand and hear us? Um, put some new disciplines in our life that help us clean up some of the things that have gotten us stuck or derailed. Those are all important. And we hear a lot, of course, about that as followers of Jesus, about what it means to get back onto the course of redemption and wholeness and fullness and all of that. Now, the last one is the one that we really will see as we go through Holy Week. We hear about in John's Gospel here today, and it's the question of showing up. In the facing of this hour, 
in the life, your personal life journey, in the life of this church, in the global situation we're in, in the hour that we are facing, are you willing to show up and do your part? Jesus was asked and called to do something very specific in showing us all the way in the walk through the cross and staying faithful through all of that and showing us that that is truly the way to move ourselves to the next level of human development and to really solving the problems we want to solve, really having the peace, the love, the justice, all the things we want in this world. But if you notice, the facing of the hour is pretty painful for Jesus. He, he wants to be saved from it here. He's going to cry over it. It's going to be a bloody experience. It's going to be filled with pain and suffering. It's going to be filled with some rejection. That's why we don't do it. We don't want to get there. Showing up is always going to require that kind of courage. But it's also going to require the kind of faith that understands that that is the only way to the fullness of life is for us to have woken up, continually growing up, committing ourselves to continually growing up, to cleaning up the things that have gotten kind of stuck and are kind of a mess and are kind of a problem, and then showing up and not just being quietly living a good life, but showing up and really facing the moments that need to be faced. Not everyone is meant in showing up to be out there in some march or something like that. There's quiet ways to do it, and there's loud ways to do it. It comes out of the authenticity of the person and your situation in life and who you are and, and what your skills are and what your calling is. But we all have to show up when we all know, don't we? When we realize we should take this next step towards something, instead we turn away and we step away. It can be a small moment. It can be a moment where we witness a conversation or at work and we see something, somebody not treated white or something. It can be a small situation. Father, save me from this hour. Turn away. Go back to my desk. Let's hope. I'll pray for them. Let's hope it works out. Um, what it means to show up is not something I can tell you what it is, but if you're doing the processes of waking up, of growing up, of cleaning up, you will know the moments to show up. It will be clear. This is what the Lenten journey is all about. This is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And this is what we really tell the story of and practice and deepen ourselves in our discipline and commitment to uh, during Holy Week, celebrating gloriously on Easter. What it means to be woken up to all of life. What it means to grow up and live more fully in God's love. What it means to clean up the stuff that are clogging the heart of God's love in our lives. And building that courage to show up and to do it every day, each moment of our lives. May this Jesus who we follow, who also wanted to be saved from the hour just like us, Show us, continue to show us the way and give us the courage to do what we must as followers of Jesus.
Amen.